morally corrupt. It's Forwards Backwards Podcast, not from the corner of Glenway and Monroe, and not from the Give Me Some Truth Studios. This week we address the heckin', give a bravo to Brino, and probably do some Henny Hecklin. I'm Keith Ponyoise, and as always, I'm joined by the Jean-Luc Nancy to my Philippe Lecou Labarthe, the hardest working man in Madison sports podcasting, Kyle Carr. Dan Fallon is headed west to grow up with the country. Normally at this point, Kyle, I pose a question to you. I uh, witnessed something this, this weekend repeatedly that I just, I feel I need to get off my chest because it is such a pure example of a perfect five on the heckin' scale that I, I cannot handle it, even more so than fish. It is that goddamned Applebee's commercial. <laughs> that is peak heckin'. It is, it is a perfect five. So if, if heckin', a perfect five on the, on the heckin' scale stands for mediocre blandness, Applebee's, that dumbass Applebee's song, the notion of date night at an Applebee's, the notion of a bourbon steak from Applebee's, an Oreo malt from Applebee's is so white, I actually am offended by the whole concept as, you know, perhaps the whitest man alive. I, I find it even more white than I am. It is it, down a, a hole of mediocre whiteness that I cannot tolerate. It honestly, because I saw the, because the commercial, I saw it once. I was like, okay, this is whatever. And then it just kept happening and it kept showing up. And that's when I was like, I need this commercial to just burn in hell. I can't take this fucking commercial anymore. This is getting out of hand. And then it would show up like five minutes later. It's like, no matter what I was watching, I could be watching, you know, European soccer. And during the halftime break, it's there. I can watch college football and it was there. I was watching the NFL. It was there. I was literally just sitting here waiting to grab food and it was there. And it was just like, what the hell do I need to do to escape this damn ad? That you know that that uh, uh, I'm waiting for it to dancing. pop up on Hulu when I'm watching something, and yeah. then it's going to oh. show up on Hulu. You know, you know what ad I've seen? In if you watch Hulu, I get the E Harmony ads, so I must be particularly lonely to the Hulu algorithm. I guess they figure somebody who watches as much Thirty Rock as I do <laughs> must be all by themselves in a in a hole of loneliness. Um, but I get an E Harmony ad constantly. But this. Oh, that, that, ah, and the dancing, the dancing is such perfect heckin'. It's, it, it, ah. I, I just, I just don't know what the purpose of this was. Like, were they trying to think that, oh, people are going to want to go to Applebee's now after this? Because no one wants that ever. It it makes me now long for the, I want my baby back, baby back, baby back ads from Applebee's back in the day. If you remember those. I do, I do. I for some reason. Wait, was that Applebee's or was that was that somewhere else? I thought there was Applebee's, wasn't it? Wasn't was, DJI Fridays, was it? What was Chili's? Oh, was that Chili's? I think it was Chili's. Oh no way! Now I'm googling this. This is important. <laughs> this is the most important thing we're going to discuss on this podcast today. Whether I want my baby back was Chili. It may have been Chili's. I thought it was Chili's. I could be wrong. I, I Applebee's think also right. had a very Chili's baby back ribs. You're you're absolutely right. All right. I, also, I know Applebee's had something. Like, but. You know, again, 
if you're going to Chili's for your baby back ribs, that's a perfect five on the heckin' scale. Yep. Uh, there there is no is, you reason have, for that. You have, have some self-respect. Yeah. You are getting industrial strength mayonnaise at that point. You are just slathering everything that you eat with not even good mayonnaise, just industrial strength mayonnaise. But that Applebee's commercial, the one thing I will say is, you know, unlike most TikTok videos, because that is a trend, that's a huge deal on TikTok, that, that song. Uh, it's an actual like country term I just heard that I really enjoy. Hick, hick hop was the term used to describe it song. Absolutely not. Um, <laughs> Absolutely hick, not. What? Like, no, 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 no. We're not calling it that. I already went through, we, we went through that shit with Florida Georgia line. I thought it died when they stopped being relevant. We're, I, that needs to stay dead. It, it's going to keep coming back. You cannot keep a perfect five. If, if history has taught us anything, Kyle, it's that you can't keep a perfect five on the heckin' scale down. That's um, right. Yeah, uh, but, you know, quite popular on TikTok. And what I will say is the one, it's the one place where we're not seeing white people steal dances from black people because black people don't want anything to do with that thing. No, and absolutely not. And I was going to say, I've not seen it on TikTok, but I've probably set, because of the TikToks I watch, I think the algorithm has done a good enough job to make sure I won't see it on TikTok. I already see it enough on TV. I don't need it on my TikTok app. If it shows up on TikTok, are you flinging the phone across? And like, I might have that, to. It, has that song earwormed in? Like, do you hear it now when you're not watching TV or have you successfully, like, you're like, this is, I have created a force field against this song. Because I'm worried, like, it, it's just one of those songs that one day I'm going to find myself fucking singing the goddamn Applebee's song. No, it, it was there this morning when I was at work, like when I first got there. And I think just because I was busy with work, I, I was able to not think about anything. I wasn't just sitting with my own thoughts. My bigger concern is going to be later, like in the night, like as my night comes to an end before I go to bed. It's like that stretch between like the kids are both sleeping. The dog has been taken out. The cat has been fed. Now I have this like time period between that ending and me falling asleep. That's where I'm probably going to be most vulnerable. Yeah. And, and what you have to worry about is like, you're just harmlessly watching a little Monday night football, put yourself to sleep and boom, Applebee's song comes on and then it's there. And then it's just, you're, you're lying there, your eyes wide open in the middle of the night with that song. Uh, what, what music would you say would, would purify you from, from that, from that song. Like if you were like, I need one bit of music to drive that out. What would you go with? I'm trying to think what is the complete opposite of that song and that music. And I'm, you know, I think I would just go to probably just drill or grime. I just need to go to a whole different country and just go there. I'll just go to the, I'll just go to England. I'll go to grime. I'll go to drill and hope that it does the job. There's enough artists out there that I can make it work. I mean, I think, you know, something like Grime, just in the name, because that Applebee's song is totally devoid of anything that could even approach Grime. So I think you're you're getting a strong counteracting. I mean, that... that well, I'm trying to think, song, like, what like, is the one area that doesn't have a prominent white person in? Like, what is one genre of music that it doesn't have that? And so far, Grime is the closest thing. I'm sure there is a UK Grime artist out there. And I am sorry if I don't remember, but that is like the one area. I was like, because American hip hop and rap, that's not that's not a thing anymore. 
that that's not going to happen. I thought reggae, but I'm sure there's, I mean, there's one song that got popular because it was a white group called Magic. So I'm just going to, I'm just going to go grind. Was it Magic with a K? No, no, it wasn't. Thankfully, they just had that one song. They had the one song, uh, Rude. That was okay. That was them. You know what I would go with is I think it has a a nice like equal quality to like drive out the earworms is like good old fashioned like soul music. That's what I would you know because you have you get a good catchy little tune in there. You know you you have like you know my one of my favorite all time albums is uh, Otis Live in Paris an album. You get Otis singing Satisfaction, and it just kind of drives that out. I mean, it's a song that makes, you know, Mick Jagger look silly when, when Otis Redding sings it. So I think that could do it. Uh, also, new album that I've started listening to in the what we might call Neo Soul, Leon Bridges. Uh, I've started listening to 2016, 2018, and 2020. He's got three albums. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I'd go to those to drive it out, but uh, I, I just discovered that over the last kind of month and month and a half and i've been enjoying those uh he is he's very talented yes he's a great musician i've not i haven't listened to anything any of his music in a while there was definitely a stretch where that he probably would have made my top five spotify if i was keeping track of it at that point in time but yeah no he's really good i this is the advantage of being old kyle is like i'm discovering new music now five years after it came out (laughs) So it's like, oh, it's new to me. <laughs> I, I think for me, I because most of my music has just revolved around toddler tunes and lullabies with the occasional like, okay, who's like, and then I go to my, I go to my safe classics, you know, I go, I go to a Kendrick Lamar, I'm safe there. I'll go to a Burner Boy, I'm safe there. I'll go to any reggae artist or soca or dance hall. I, that is my comfort. And then um, every once in a while, there'll just be like one random person that's like, oh, like, Chris Stapleton, for me, that is someone I just started wow. getting into wow. like a week or two ago. Would not have put you on a Chris Stapleton. Honestly, I, it, Tennessee Whiskey randomly popped in when I was, because I was driving to Eau Claire, Tennessee Whiskey was randomly playing, and I was like, oh, okay, this is this is actually pretty good. And then I had to ask Emma, is Chris Stapleton problematic? And she's like, no, actually, he was blatantly saying Black Lives Matter. I was like, oh, okay, cool. So I can rock with this guy. All right. So I just kept <laughs> listening to more and more of his music. And no, he's, I mean, he also has a fantastic singing voice. Like, that dude can sing. So, yes, Chris Stapleton, for me, has been the, I probably should have known about this guy a while ago, but I'm I'm enjoying it. Um, You know, would you say the lyrical and musical sophistication of toddler music is greater than, less than, or the same as that stupid Applebee's too. Yeah, but at least there's some benefit out of the music for toddlers. There is a benefit. It keeps your toddler happy. It keeps your toddler entertained. So there is at least that benefit of it. There's no benefit with the Applebee's commercial. There's there's nothing good that can come out of it for me. You know, at least with toddler music, saying. I can here's just let Sterling have it, fun. It, it probably entertains the toddlers of America. We know who those people are. They tend to be, uh, you know, fives on the heckin' scale. They may enjoy driving a, a pickup truck to their Applebee's. They might be taking say, some horse stuff, you know, to yep, treat COVID. Exactly. Yeah, they, uh, they may not want that darned vaccine. Because that George Soros is coming for him. Um, uh, you know, if I've insulted the Americans, white people in the American South in any way, I 110% in, intended to do so. 
It so, could be worse. You could be Nicki Minaj's cousin's friend who apparently got the vaccine and his balls were swollen and the wedding got called off because of it. According to Nicki Minaj, who had to say she had to do some research when it came to the vaccine. So we're just, ever, I mean, we're just, we're just hitting the scale honest, here. Let's be honest here, by the way, if you're, if you're this dude in this situation, right? You very clearly caught someone. Oh, it was either you caught something or I was like, that sounds like a vasectomy. Like if you're impotent and your balls are swollen, that's a vasectomy. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So you, you catch something and you just go, Oh, I, I think it was the vaccine. Like, yep. and, and you know, like how bad do you want to get out of that wedding that you're going to use yeah. that as your reason? <laughs> yeah. Also that you're going to publicize your swollen testicles. Well, it, it, so that person told Nicki Minaj's cousin who told Nicki Minaj. So I, right now, if I'm the cousin, I'm like, I, why am I getting roped into this? Also, you know, Nicki Minaj's cousin heard from Ferris Bueller, saw Ferris Bueller at the 7-Eleven. <laughs> you know, like how many levels of rumors are we are we getting through to, to get to like somebody's cousin? Like really, really, America, this is what that, you know, it, the story may not be true, but it is hilarious. So uh, take away from this, and I hope we've insulted chunks of our listeners. Uh, if you like that Applebee's song, we think you are intellectually a toddler. Um, I, I expect tens, tens of angry emails, most of them originating in Omaha. Um, so uh, shots fired. Um, you know, the great thing is nobody listens. Uh, so, uh, Kyle, what do you say about a match? Uh, forward Madison wins one nothing. You informed me. I inquired. They misstated this on the broadcast. We have not yet won the Henny Derby, right? Because the Henny Derby is an accumulation of several matches. It's the whole season series, right? Yes. So we did initially, Elliot and I did initially do each game. Well, because at first it was just the winner gets a bottle of Hennessy. So that's how the first two matches went. Then the third match, there's a trophy. Last year, because there's only one matchup between Ford Madison and Richmond, it was just winner takes all. And if it was a draw, I keep it because winner tie. Like kind of like how tie goes like winner baseball. Yeah, yeah, like the Ryder Cup. So I would have kept it. You know what happened. So this year, it was kind of a, well, they play four times. How the, and then, I, I mean, we were talking about, like, how we're going to do this. And it was like, well, we'll just see. Whoever wins the most matches, we keep it. So the first match ending in 0-0 draw, then it became a best of three. Well, for Ford Madison, it became a best of three. For Richmond, they just got to win once. If they can win, well, it got to the point where Richmond needed to win and draw, and they would have been fine. So for Madison winning this one, all they need to do is win one of the next two handy derbies. If Richmond, if Ford Madison fails to win any of the next two matches, then Richmond keeps the trophy regardless. So even if, so Madison would win the series one win, zero losses, three ties, they would keep the, the Henny Derby? Or did yep. we lose to, oh, wow. Yeah, I guess there's also that. Yeah, if I guess if both matches end, if the, la- if the last two end in the draw, then it goes to Madison because Madison got the only win. Okay. And given that most of the matches end up one nothing or 0-0, you know, eh, odds are in the favor. Who knows? Yeah. I, I, was gonna, I did tweet the match ending, a Henny Derby ending 1-0, nature is healing. So yeah. that, that was good. <laughs> uh, uh, I think that's that's pretty much on point there. Um, so the the big star of the game, I think, um, man of the match, we might say, was was Phil Brino. Um, I do have some critiques of his performance, but I thought uh, Kyle overall pretty good. 
I, I mean, he got the saves that he needed to, especially later in the match. Like he got the early one, which was, he got two early saves, which was good. That was needed. And as the match went on and Richmond was more on the attacking, he was really able to step up. He was really able to command his box, especially near the end. He was able to control the match pretty well, you know, dive on the ball when he needed to. He was very, he, he seemed more aggressive when it came to crosses. And I think that was the helpful part. And maybe it was the improved communication, but it just seemed as though he was more assured back there. You know, there wasn't an, other than one fumble on a log shot. Yeah. Everything that came his way, he was able to confidently either punch it away, grab it, stop it. No problem. So it was very much a assured performance, which they really needed because, you know, I was not, I'm not going to lie. When it got to the 80th minute, I was thinking, here we go again. How is this going to happen? Richmond is on the attack. They're getting a bunch of corners. How is this going to happen? And thankfully, Ford Madison held out. But yeah, no, Filibrino was definitely top tier performance, got the man of the match, got on the team of the week for the league, which he absolutely deserves. So, no, great performance by him. That was what they needed. And hopefully, they can build off of that. Yeah. Uh, in fact, uh, you know, if you look at the shot totals, Richmond had 13 shots, six on target uh, to three for forward Madison uh, on target and eight overall. So, I mean, from that perspective, yeah, you needed uh, Phil Brino's uh, performance. You mentioned the one slip up and, you know, I think he did one, a very good job of recovering onto that. Right. I mean, he, he, he spilled it. Uh, it spilled to, as the announcer pointed out on the game, the guy you least likely probably in USL one wanted to go to, uh, to Terzaghi, Emiliano Terzaghi, uh, fortunately did a great job covering it. The one other blip I saw in the performances, uh, towards the end of the game as a, uh, you know, not allowed to talk about my playing career, but I will just say his distribution in the 91st minute where he threw a ball away to half field and we turned it over hurt me deep in my soul Um, because at that point in the game, you want to either kick it to, as, as we would say, to Waukesha, um, you know, basically as far away as you can, or, you know, make sure you're keeping possession. And then that guy kicks it as far as, you know, that you, you, you're building, you don't turn it over and, and essentially open yourself up to another attack. So that was the one black mark I saw in his performance. You know, I think that the skip of the ball, sometimes on artificial turf, you get those. So I'm, I'm less, you know, upset, did everything he could to keep that out, didn't concede. So, you know, uh, all, you know, no harm, no foul kind of situation, but that, that, that distribution was just one of those that it made my skin crawl. We'll say. It was a weird throw. I I figured that was just I'm going to waste time. I think it was a time wasting that just didn't go well. I think that's what it was. I, I don't know if he was trying to intentionally waste time by throwing it there, but I definitely thought about that. I was like, you know, that probably wasn't the best option, but all right, cool. Whatever. Just get back and defend. And yeah, I mean, that the, was my, that's what yeah, went through my head was. Yeah. All right, fine. Fuck it. <laughs> uh, all right. We, we, we're, as long as we don't manage to concede in the 108th minute, like we have four times in a row. I was like, you can't get called for a foul if you throw the ball out of bounds. So like maybe, maybe there's <laughs> something there. I don't know. So uh, second point, uh, I thought the arrival in the 72nd minute of Tyler, Ad- Allen, Tyler, Adam, uh, Tyler Adams is a different guy who uh, is also fun, fun, fun to watch for 
very different reasons. 72nd minute, I thought Tyler Allen uh, provided a big spark to the game. I think he was very direct. I think he was, a, you know, really looked great uh, on the pitch. I think gave us some width as well, but was still able to, you know, cut in a little bit. He was, you know, to my mind, the most fun guy to watch uh, overall. I don't know how, how you felt about that. He, you know, came in for Gomez. I didn't think Gomez had his best performance and we may talk a little bit more about this, but um, I thought uh, Tyler Allen, you know, in those 18 minutes really put a, put a stamp on the game. And, and I think also opens up something we might want to see more of down the stretch, which is improving the the counterattack if we get, you know, and we, I've said this all year. So, um, but you know, anybody else that you saw or anything you want to say about Tyler's performance? You, you mentioned how the counterattack, and it's funny because that's literally how Fort Madison get their goal is they get on the count, they get they win the ball, go out wide to Keegan. Keegan's able to take it wide and able to cut in, puts in the ball to Sierkowski. I mean, part of that is Magala's, I don't know, just lost track of them as well, but one touch, one in and shot in the net. It's like that's how they scored the goal, a good counterattack. And with Allen, it's interesting because at the beginning of the season, with him and Gebhard, it was like, well, Gebhard was the one that was getting the goals. He was the one getting the assists. Allen, he was trying. He was really, really trying. He just didn't have anything for an end product. And I think that was still generally the case in this game. But at the very least, I think this is a perfect role for him. Come in, you know, 65th, 70th minute. You got, you're going to get tired legs. And he can just take the ball and run and go right at them. And honestly, I, don't, I didn't see the replay could have maybe gotten a pen too, which that would have been cool as well. But he just was able to take the ball and go. And I think that's potentially a role that might suit him perfectly well. You know, he just goes in and just runs at them. Even if you don't get the cross in, even if you don't get a shot off, that's fine because your speed and your ability to just go right at them, it's going to catch them off guard and they're going to be, and they're a little bit more slow footed. They're, they're tired. They got a tired mind. They got tired legs. You can come in and go right at them. That's very helpful. So maybe this is a role that I can see him doing moving forward. I think that would actually be the best utilization of him right now. Now, obviously, if he's going to score goals in bunches or start, you know, doing something with his end product that results in goals, then we can. Then there's a conversation to have about him starting. But I think right now, him coming off the bench, it was a good call, and I think that was probably what made the threat, they looked more threatening because he was still out wide. And that was one thing that we have been saying all season. It seems like the width has disappeared as the season went on. Yeah. The width is narrowed. You might say, I think, I think you're right. You know, one thing I would say about Tyler Allen early in the year, we talked a little bit, you know, in the, in the first half of the year, we were quote unquote, a second half team. And I think part of that was, as we've discussed on the pod, you know, an effect of, even though he might not have been getting the goals, Tyler Adam was putting Tyler Allen, uh, putting pressure on them, um, you know, going forward, making those runs. But I do think, you know, you're right. He also serves a valuable, uh, kind of role purpose, you know, uh, later in, in a match like this, because what, what has happened a lot of the times is we keep, you know, we go up one, nothing and we can see late. And part of it is because we bunker, 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 and we don't have a release. And a guy like Tyler Allen, who can take the ball at people one-on-one, um, you know, and, and get out into space and move forward and, 
you know, uh, almost spearhead a, a counterattack by himself is really valuable. The other thing I'll say um, related, uh, well, one thing I want to say is I think he got fouled. I think he probably won the penalty, but it's a case where his dive was so bad. Yeah. Watched him. That That's why I'm like, I needed to see a replay because I think there's contact, but he did not do any, he did not sell it at all to the point where you can convince someone, okay, that was a penalty. Like it's one of those, if they had called a pen, I would get it. But if I was a ref, I wouldn't call that. Yeah. You almost don't want to reward him for such a bad dive. You're like, yeah, you got fouled, but ugh, that was, you know, your style points there were not we're not great on that dive. So, um, you know, but I think, you know, from my perspective, he, you know, if, if we get him in that role, when we go up a goal and he's coming in and I think that could go a long way to relieving some of that defensive pressure, um, you know, and maybe what you do to compensate for him and Gebhardt getting forward much more is you, you, you know, instead of just having Malloy at the base, have two at the base of the midfield you know, tighten in a little bit that way and maybe switch to what you might call a three, two, three, two, or something to that effect, you mm-hmm. know, but so you, you get a little bit more in front of that, that defensive solidity, but you let, you know, those guys lead the counterattack as well. Um, and you get that speed. And, you know, the other thing that Allen and Gebhardt can do as well is keep you pin, keep the other team pinned in a little bit more with that you know, kind of aggressiveness that they bring. So maybe a way of, of hopefully a, a way forward in, in helping the team uh, avoid what has been in the bane of our existence over the last month. And we avoided and got the three points on, on Saturday night. Yep. And uh, another player, Derek Abbard, I enjoyed. I am I really enjoy watching him play. It seems in a, with a team whose attack has been very blunt and I'm not sure where the goals are coming from, he is the guy that I think is coming from or I have the most faith in it coming from. And I, it's just been nice to see he's taking guys on. He's doing exactly the same thing like Tyler Allen does early in the match. He's just taking it to them. And I, I don't know. I, I think he was a bright spot. You, you know, you have to give props to the back line. They bunker down and they saw a lot of shots and they were, really under pressure, especially near the end of the match. But when you're getting, you, when you have a successful tackle rate of 77%, when you are getting 31 clearances, it, you got, that requires a lot of staying disciplined. You keep the clean sheet, you get the win. I I would give, I would give props to that back line as well. They were under a lot of pressure, but they handled it well. Yeah. Statistically it says, you know, um, uh, uh, I guess, Forward uh, only had uh, one block shot, or maybe that was on offense, because I thought Turbo single-handedly had had four block shots himself. So um, you know maybe something in the stat keeping, um, but I thought the defense you know did a great job in terms of uh, though they conceded you know more shots and shots on goal, they still did an excellent job of of absorbing a lot of that pressure, blocking the shots, stopping a lot of that. Now you brought up the word blunt. Uh, I, of course, am fond of the word turgidity. Um, the, the first half was, we might call it turgid. I wouldn't say the second half was much better other than that counterattack, we get a goal. Uh, the appearance of Tyler Adam liven things up a little bit. Uh, you referred to blunt. Um, and so what, 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 what do you mean by blunt and where are you seeing 
the bluntness of this attack. So when I think it's turgid, I just think there's no way these guys are going to score a goal. There's nothing to indicate there's going to be a goal. There's going to be a chance. There's going to even be a half chance. Like there's nothing about the attack that makes me feel any confidence that if they have the ball, anything good's going to come out of it. That's what I think of when it comes to turgid. And it's like, so I have turgid, to struggle. Turgid is like a perfect five on the Hecken scale in terms of inefficient offense. Yeah. Like if it, like last year was peak turgid this year, it's like, I see what you're doing and you're actually trying things. It's just not, nothing's happening. You know, Aaron Malloy has the shot at the top of the box goes just wide. You know, Gebhardt, like there's a couple crosses that went through and, you know, if one of those players was a little bit quicker, had another step on them and was on site, it's a goal. I at least see what the hell they're trying to do. That's why I say blunt, because it's like you're trying. It's just not it's just not as clinical. It's just not as sharp. That That's why I went with blunt. Turgid, I feel like they're not going to score. There, there's nothing to indicate there's going to be a goal from this team. That's why I think of when I think of Turgeon. It's like, I have to suffer through this. I have no hope that they're going to score. Blunt, it's like I can maybe see them getting a goal. And maybe it's a crap goal. Maybe it's honestly the ball bungles into the back of the net. But it's it, it's going to go in somehow. Yeah, so I think in, in this case, um, you know, because this is really a lexical podcast, um, it, you know, by by Blunt, you mean, you know, the attack is not sharp. You You see the shape of an attack. Um, you know, when I hear blunt, and this is what I was kind of thinking about um, as well, when, a, you know, a, a blunt attack or, a, a, you know, a blunt instrument um, to, to do something. Uh, one of the things, you know, that, that when you read tactics blogs or you read managers talking about various formations, two forwards doesn't lead to necessarily the same combination plays and interesting things that you can do as you can with three. Um, in front, right? You know, first of all, you just have two guys instead of three. Um, but also the way the runs work, you know, with three guys, you know, you can drop one, you can stretch one, you know, the center forward. With two guys, one basically drops and the other one runs behind or vice versa. There's a, a, a more defined pattern for what the guys are going to be able to do a little bit. You can't, you can't stretch both of them deep because then everything gets clogged up. And I think that's a little bit what we're seeing, right? is that clogging up. Um, so I think, you know, in that sense, it, it, you, you, you know, a little bit of sharpness may be helped by a little bit more, you know, movement out both vertically and, you know, horizontally from the front too. I think though, you know, they're, they're learning to play together. And so that will help, but I just think, you know, it's, it's not going to, you're not going to see as much uh, fluidity in the, in front with just two guys up top, which, you know, a lot of managers are okay with because they think, okay, you know, we do this, we can get a goal or two, you know, we're good enough. Those two guys up top are good enough to get us somewhere. And Aaron Malloy, you know, pitches in a, a worldie and we win two nothing. Right. Um, so I, I, I think that's a little bit of it. The other thing, and, and this is something I've been harping on um, and I don't know if it's a change of shape, but if you remember in, early in the year, the, the ball, the passes, were quick. Nobody was standing over a ball. It was like, boom, boom, you know? And what's, what's frustrating from, from my eye that leads me towards the more turgidity, we might say, is particularly out of the back. Um, we're getting a little more boom, pause, pause, boom, passing. Um, 
even in the midfield, you know, pass, wait, wait, uh, you know, move it a little forward and then bring it back. Um, Gomez, I think was guilty of that a little bit. And I think one of the reasons why I appreciated Allen so much was got it and went right. There was more of a, an urgency to his play. Whereas Gomez, a couple of times we had something looking like a developing counterattack, and he brought it back and it didn't look like it was, it built to anything. And we're not, let's be honest, not building anything out of the midfield right now. I mean, counterattacks seem to be where we're going to find our goals. Unlike early in the year where I thought we were scoring prettier goals, to be quite honest with you. So that's as well, you know, if you're like Keith, what's, what's grinding your gears, as it were, to use the Andy Rooney phrase, um, it's that we looked more fluid and more, I don't want to say direct, but more deliberate. You know, we yeah. knew where we wanted to go much more than we do right now, where it looks like, you know, in the back, the passes are just a half a beat or a beat slower in the midfield. You know, we're, we're pulling back when we have maybe numbers or, you know, we're, we're taking an extra touch when we can zip or play one touch. You know, we're, we're seeing there were a couple of moments. There was a good little moment in the second half um, between uh, Perez and Enriquez in, in terms of a little nice little one-touch set of combinations, but we haven't seen that many. So when I lean towards turgidity, that's what I'm kind of thinking of, but I also appreciate bluntness um, as, a, as a descriptor. Um, so I think we, we have in mind the same kind of thing that's bothering us, you might say, about the attack. Um, and, and I will say, I think the arrival of Sarakowski means we have another guy like Keegan who can just kind of pop up and get a goal, which is helpful because Keegan has been on a bit of a dry spell, though, you know, great work from him on the assist. Yeah, it, like it. It thinks that he's not getting goals like he was at the beginning of the season, but he's still providing. You know, we saw him get the assist for Trimmingham a couple weeks ago. We now see him get the assist for Sierkowski. So him still being involved in the attack is still good. You know, he's still creating. Yeah, maybe he maybe he would like to get a goal himself, but he's still at least providing something. And I think with more teams possibly targeting, like focusing on him, it's allowed Sierkowski or Trimmingham or whoever to kind of pop up a little bit more open, kind of like what happened. Like I said, it seemed as though Magalas was focusing on Keegan, kind of lost track of Sierkowski, and that allowed the goal. So, yeah, it's good. I mean, yeah, I think he'll get a goal. He's due. He has to. It's going to happen. It's just a matter of, you know, can he, you know, instead of just getting a goal and then, you know, maybe nothing, is it going to start popping and maybe getting two goals in the next three matches or, you know, two goals, like three goals in the next five, something like that. So uh, we have uh, a, a fry, one of my favorite game times in all of soccer on Friday. Um, I am not going to be uh, watching this one, I don't think, because I will be uh, flying to Liverpool on Thursday to visit uh, famed Anfield uh, to watch uh, Liverpool Crystal Palace. Um, and so we may not have a podcast when I get back Monday. I, I don't know. Uh, but the, the, the legendary, <laughs> the led equally legendary to tea time on Saturday kickoff, um, or, or the three o'clock Saturday kickoff, uh, uh, when Saturday comes is I think really the three o'clock Friday afternoon kickoff at the BMO training ground, which forward Madison gets Friday as they square off, they go to Canada to face Toronto FC two. 
Um, any anything from your walking ninety info that uh, you know, which is a, a podcast and a live YouTube event. Um, Kyle also hosts with uh, Ebony and Elliot from the River City ninety three uh, podcast. Um, anything that that folks should know about this this Toronto team. Since they've returned to playing in Canada, they have not lost. They have a 0-0 draw against Greenville, a 2-1 win against Richmond, a 0-0 draw against Chattanooga. So it's going to be a little bit tougher. Part of that is players that are not vaccinated cannot get into the country. And the whole visa situation, it's definitely complicated. Chattanooga went with only like three players on their bench for a sub. So that's the kind of situation you're dealing with. You, Ford Madison might not have the full team. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if someone like Josiah Trimmingham, it might not make the trip because he was, I mean, it took him this long to get him back into America. So I don't know about that whole uh, obstacle of trying to get into Canada now. So that, that's just something to keep in mind. Um, Toronto can't defend that well, though. I mean, I did mention they have two zero zero draws at home. Those are still the only matches that they've kept a clean sheet. The Ford Madison, maybe this is the game that can get theirs that their attack can find something. Now, um, we we saw upgrade, them earlier in the year score two goals. Hmm? We can upgrade from Turgeon and, Turgid and or Blunt. Yes, that this would be in the match. I mean, Ford Madison scored two goals against them a couple weeks ago. Yeah, like I said, besides those two matches, um, they have not kept the they've not kept a clean sheet at all. I think they can they can probably it's going to depend on how many players travel, but this could either be a trap game where Ford Madison loses or gets a frustrating draw, or this is the game that their offense could really start hitting high gear. I don't know. And it'll be interesting to see what the lineup is because, like I said, of the travel restrictions. So, uh, you know, the other thing is uh, away from home forward has not been uh, good. terribly <laughs> spectacular. Uh, you know, not good would be the other way to put it. Uh, they're one, two, and five away from home. Uh, five draws, uh, two losses, one win. Um, you know, five, two, and four at home. Uh, so a little better in, in that regard, um, which, you know, could be a little worrying as we go down the stretch as we're looking at, you know, uh, we are away to Toronto. We are away to New England. We're away to Richmond, away to New England, away to Richmond, away to Union, Omaha. Uh, and then we close with two matches in, at the friendly confines of Bree Stevens. But that's a long road trip. Um, and it, the games are coming one after another. So we play, just to give you an idea, in uh, October, uh, we play five a row road games in the span of 20 days. So October 1st against the New England Revolution at Gillette, 6th at City Stadium against Richmond, 12th, uh, that's a Tuesday against the Revolution at Gillette Stadium, 16th at City Stadium against Richmond, and then the 20th at Warner Park against Union Omaha. I love USL scheduling when you get the Richmond, New England, Richmond, New England, or vice versa. I forget how it was all on the road. Good, good, clean fun. Um, you know, the, the forward 
forward need to lock in some points, otherwise uh, improve their road form radically. So I'm uh, good to get the three points. I'm not yet ready to declare all right in the, in the kingdom of forward Madison. Yeah, no, I, I'm not there yet either. The only positive you can really take away is they got games at hand on everyone else. Besides, you know, who they also have 19, who have also played 19 matches. So it is at least nice to know, like, okay, well, if you make up your games, you can jump all the way up. You can have a home playoff. Like a home playoff game is still realistic. So is finishing 11th. <laughs> it is a great time. But uh, wide, uh, as they say in the investment world, wide standard deviation there. Good <laughs> deviation. We've got wide deviations. Uh, I think we'll wrap up there uh, until next time uh, we say forwards, not backwards, upwards, not forwards, and always twirling. twirling.